0: Hi, I'm Adam Sanford. I'm an academic life coach and professor in Los Angeles. And I'm Dinur Bloom. I'm a college professor in Los Angeles. And this is Learning Made Easier, a podcast where we discuss how we learn and how we teach and how they overlap. Welcome back to Learning Made Easier. This is episode 63, how to ask better questions or the question formulation technique. Now, this episode mainly comes from an article on kqed.org, and we're going to link that in the show notes. And it's about how to help students ask better questions. And this is a problem we've definitely seen in our own classes. We thought we'd give an overview based on this article for our listeners.
1: The article starts by talking about the question formulation technique, or QFT, which was first created as a way for parents to learn how to ask good questions of K-12 through teachers during parent-teacher conferences. Eventually, it became a technique to help shy or low confidence students learn how to create good questions to help them understand what's going on in the classroom. Part of the goal here is to get the students away from the mindset that the only good questions come from the teacher. Sometimes asking a question and then finding their own answer to it can be incredibly powerful for a student. It encourages students to get curious instead of staying passive recipients of information. Here's how it works.
0: So first you got to start by providing a question focus. So put something up on the board or on your slides or set it on the table in the front of the classroom. And it's, it's going to be a thing that students will need to investigate more deeply. So this could be a quote from the book that your students are currently reading their way through. Or a math problem to solve, or an image to react to, but not a question. It's really important that the question focus not be a question. Your job as the instructor is to provide the students something to ask questions about. So let your students take a few minutes to look at, think about, and experience the question focus before you move forward. Now,
1: have students take some time to brainstorm as many questions about the question focus as they can. At this point, any question is valid. Have them write down their questions no matter what they sound like. The goal is to produce a lot of questions which the student will then narrow down and improve on to get to good solid questions that help with learning.
0: Now some important points here about this brainstorming process. Tell students Your goal is to write down as many questions as possible in the time given and try to keep it to like maybe seven minutes or so. Don't have it be, you know, 30 minutes. Give them seven minutes of powerful, focused brainstorming where they're just writing down as many questions as they can. Don't stop to discuss or judge or answer any of the questions. And this is hard for teachers, but this includes complimenting students on their questions. Don't do that. Don't say, oh, that's a great question. No, 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 no. You don't want to guide them to think about a question. You want them to figure out which questions are important. Tell them, write down each question exactly as asked or exactly as it comes to mind. Even if the wording is weird or funny or awkward, just write it down. And if a student writes it down as a statement, have them rewrite it as a question. So any place where they don't have a question, where they've written a statement instead, turn it into a question. So this is going to be seven to ten minutes tops. Don't go beyond that.
1: Once the students have had time to brainstorm, explain the difference between open and closed questions. An open question is one that encourages a detailed answer. It usually starts with how or why. A closed question is one that asks for a short answer like yes, no, or 20 nickels. It usually starts with when, where, what, or who. Explain the advantages and problems with each kind of question. For example, open questions tend to give us more information, but closed questions tend to give us definite answers.
0: Now, once you've explained the difference between open and closed questions, have the students go through the list of questions they've generated and categorize them as open or closed. And once they finish with that, and give them about three minutes to do that, then ask them to pick three or four of their questions that are open and change them into closed ended. And then have them pick three or four more that are closed and change those questions to open. So this helps students begin to learn how to get creative with their questions and also see that there's more than one way to ask and answer a question. It's not only what is the answer to this equation. It could be what does this equation tell us about the properties of these two elements or how do we understand what they meant when they said exquisite, instead of it just being a very flat question. So this allows your students to kind of tweak their questions, play with their questions, find new ways to ask their questions. And that's important. That builds their ability to think through a problem.
1: Once they've done this, ask them to pick what they think their three best questions from the entire list are. Ask them to share one or more of them, either with the class or in small groups, explaining why they think these questions are their best ones. Then come back and have the class discuss what makes a good question for this class and why. Look for patterns. Did the class tend toward closed questions or open ones when picking their best questions? What kinds of open questions were the most common? Why do they think that is?
0: Now, for teachers who worry that this is going to take the class away from the questions that they need to answer or they need to understand, what they found in research is the opposite is almost always true. In the article, for instance, one teacher had her students ask questions about a topic she provided. And after this asking and brainstorming and winnowing process, the class produced three questions which were almost identical to the ones that she had wanted them to work on in the first place. But the difference was, The class had produced the questions, and because of that, they were interested and they were curious about the answers. That increased their engagement in ways that simply handing them a list of questions never could have.
1: The advantages of using the QFT method are threefold. It increases student engagement by priming curiosity. It increases student ownership of their own learning and it increases the feeling for students that they have a voice in the learning process.
0: Now, some suggestions from qualified QFT teachers who've used this for using the process in the classroom. Two main ones. The first one is don't start with your own question. Never, ever, ever start with your own question. Provide an image or a quote or a problem or a topic and ask students to generate all the questions they would need answers to in order to explain the item or solve the problem.
1: Make sure the question focus is broad enough, but not too broad. Trying to keep it too narrow can discourage questions, while making it too broad may bring in questions that aren't really related to the focus.
0: Now, our experiences with this, we've just read this since class closed down, so I haven't used it yet, but I'm definitely going to in the future. I can see this being maybe the topic of a discussion board, helping students figure out what questions work to help them learn and why those questions help them. Because so often I have seen students just struggle with asking me questions, and I want to help them learn how to ask good ones, ones that really dig into the problem instead of just softball questions like, what's the definition of this word when it's right there in the textbook? Those kinds of softball questions waste everybody's time. So, you know, getting them away from the what does the textbook say towards what do I want to know? About this. We've got a quote from Karl Marx up here on the board. What do I want to know about it? What do I think is important? What kinds of things really probably aren't that important? Have them write down 15 or 20 questions, they'll find three good ones, I promise you.
1: I've learned to ask my students what questions do you have rather than any questions because the latter makes people really uncomfortable. They might think something like, I'm hogging up everyone's time if I ask something, so I'd better keep quiet. Or, what if I'm the only one who doesn't understand what he just said in lecture? When I ask, what questions do you have? My assumption is that 100% of my students did not understand 100% of my lecture, and I think that's a safe assumption. Sometimes, when there's a really glorious, awkward silence of doom, I'll ask my students broad questions, something like, who can give me an example of anomie or of strain theory? And who can explain why these examples show that theory? If my students are stuck, then I tell them, these are questions we can all ask. And if you're unclear about something, there's a chance someone else in this room is unclear about it too. And If you ask me now, you now have more information and you haven't lost points on the test. That seems like a win-win situation for me. Some classes take that advice a little bit faster than others, but usually by the middle of the term, I'll have students who are willing to ask questions in class. Some might be the softball questions that Adam mentioned, what's the definition of anomie, what's the definition of strain, if they missed it in my lecture. But most of my students' questions go deeper. I also have my students partner up or get in small groups, and I tell them that I want to get questions from each pairing or each group. These questions can be left anonymous, and I type them up and put them on the projector uh, when we were meeting face-to-face, and now I put them in the group chat when we meet on Zoom. I put them up in the order that I receive them, And sometimes I'll mark that certain questions are repeats and I make sure to go over those first because it means that several students or several groups really need clarification on something. But the important part for me is we work through these questions as a class together. If you're stuck prepping a particular class session, identify its main focus or issue and present that to the class as a QFT instead allow the students to come up with the questions they need to answer in order to understand or solve the problem.
0: You know you also made me think of something with that fear of what if I'm the only one who doesn't know this. The process of generating a bunch of questions of the QFT and then getting together in groups to decide what are the three best questions, that right there is going to let students know, oh. Lots of people have the same question I do, or at least something in the same ballpark. You know, they're they're both confused, or I'm confused, and this person's confused, and that person's confused about what Marx meant when he said alienation. I'm not the only one who's having trouble understanding that. That makes students gain so much confidence when they realize, I'm not the only one who doesn't understand this. I'm not the only one for whom it hasn't clicked yet. I'm not the only one who didn't get it the first time. And so I think that the QFT will also be wonderful because... I think it will also help students who are naturally hesitant to reveal that they don't know what they're talking about. It encourages vulnerability by saying, look, here are my nine questions and I think these are my three best. Well, here are my 11 questions and here are, I've got at least two best. One of them's the same as your one best. What about this other one? You know, It allows the students to see they're actually more in the same boat than they realize. And I've mentioned this before. It's like when I give a writer's workshop and I list nine different problems and I say, okay, raise your hand if you've had at least one of these problems and like 95% of the hands go up. And I put my own hand up because one of the problems that I have listed is I don't know how to set a scope condition to save my life. I will just go off on every tangent and you'll think that you're in a math class. I'm going on so many tangents and students go, you do that too? Yeah, I do that too. You might want to do the same thing and generate your own list of questions while the students are generating theirs. And then when you see that a lot of them have generated the same questions you did, say, look folks, these are the questions I was hoping you would generate, and you did, and I didn't tell you what to do. What does that tell you about your learning? Now, for students, and granted, the last few of our episodes have been geared more toward teachers, but students, try using the QFT as a structure for a study group. Spend a study session doing a QFT about a topic that the whole group is having trouble with, figure out your best three questions, Send them to your instructor and say, hey, Dr. Sanford, this is our set of three questions where we're still confused. Can you help us? Hey, Dr. Bloom, when you talked about Marx, we had some serious trouble with the idea of alienation. So here's our three questions about that. Could you email us back?
1: So that's what we have for you in episode 63. If you're finding this podcast helpful, please share it with your friends. We're always hoping to get new subscribers so we can help more people. You can find us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Android. We're hosted on Blueberry.com. Also, we would really appreciate it if you wrote a review of this podcast on Apple Podcasts.
0: And be sure to join us next week for episode 64, when Tenor and I will talk about the myth of motivation. You've been listening to Learning Made Easier, a podcast about how we learn, how we teach, and how they overlap. We want to say thank you to all of our supporters on Patreon who make this podcast possible. If you want to support us, please go to www.patreon.com slash learningmadeeasier.
1: We look forward to seeing you next week.